On today's episode, we dab on the haters, take our second dose, and look our best. All that and more coming up. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Our Science. I'm your host, Alan Collier, and I'm joined today by Kyle Bine. Hey there. And Sarah Vokey. We learned how to say terpenes today. This is our final episode before Christmas. We are going to take a one-week break during Christmas so that I don't have to edit over the holidays, per- to be perfectly honest. No one claps sync at the right time. Also, please pass the turkey. So there is no new episode next week. The week after, there will be a new episode, and we'll get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> we'll be right back to our regularly scheduled programming after these holidays. <laughs> Our first paper today comes from UPI.com. The natural terpenes in marijuana are removed during distillation to produce pure THC in e-liquids for vaping, and then added back in for taste and smell. But they can produce toxic chemicals in the vapor users inhale, such as benzene and others that I'm not going to pronounce. <laughs> Very fair. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Methacrolein, xylenes, tulene, styrene, and ethylbenzene. Good job. For anyone not well-versed in organic chemistry, all those chemicals are just a bunch of hexagons with stuff stuck to them. Yeah, they are. Chemistry hates hexagons because of this one simple trick. <laughs> I have so many issues with this. Just from from both in the article point of view, mostly from the article point of view, because yeah. I don't think the headline is representative of what's actually being done here. It's really not. Like, if you dive into the the paper itself, it's actually sound science. It's interesting science. But the article is so misleading that I read through it and I was like, I don't know what point I was actually supposed to get out of this article. I The first problem is that they don't explain anything. Like, they introduce concepts like terpenes and even, like, I know a little bit about this, but even stuff like e-liquids and, and this is literally what they are called, dabs. Yes. Waxy yeah. cannabis compounds. Yeah, right? so they introduce all these different ways of, like, like smoking marijuana without explaining what any of them are or how they work. Yeah. Or what a yep. terpene is. Yep. Honestly, until reading this article, I had no idea that dabs were anything other than, you know? Yeah. Dab and, on the haters. And yeah. after reading it, I'm still not sure that that's not how you take it. <laughs> I'm really, really hoping that Alan leaves your description of a dab where everyone knows that you have just physically dabbed. Yeah, you absolutely did. <laughs> I stand by it. Very fair. <laughs> it's a scientific dab. It's dabbing for science. Uh, exactly. Yeah, this this was definitely one of those, like, all over the place articles that you start reading and you're like, why? What? what? Where is this coming from? I hate it so much. This might be actually my least favorite pa- article of all time on this podcast. Every <laughs> single paragraph is something different and unrelated. The, the gist of the paper is that they were trying to determine when when you actually take these vape products, like they were trying to determine what organic compounds might be produced from like the heating and vaporizing process that could be damaging. And that was a that's a really solid paper. And there's some some good science in there. But the article itself just keeps plucking random bits from here and there that makes it sound like. Like, it's not really trying to convey, uh, this is what they studied, and this is the methods they used, and this is what they learned. It's just, here's a bunch of stuff that was, that happened. This is some stuff that is. The sense that I got reading this article was that at the very end, before being able to write a conclusion, the author was kidnapped. (laughs) Because we end abruptly 
on a point that has nothing to do with the rest of the article. And the only logical explanation that I have is that the author was kidnapped mid-writing and then their kidnapper posted the article. That's a reasonable the assumption. Only, the only logical explanation that I can find. Yeah, yeah. I think the kidnapper was trying to kidnap the author before they could publish the <laughs> article, but they managed to hit send right before they, the bag was pulled over their head. If you take the first letter of every paragraph, it spells out secondary locations. So. <laughs> um, okay, so let's, let's, let's dive into this. Yes. I had to do so much external research on this because the article gave me nothing. So basically, whether I like or dislike an article is based on how much extra work I have to do for this. Um, <laughs> Which so is fair. Research into marijuana and THC and cannabis and all these things is relatively new. Like, it's, we're still, there's still a lot we're learning about it. And within that, research on vaping is even newer. Like, mm -hmm. there is so much we don't know about the health effects of these things. So I believe, essentially, this paper, the research that was being done, was trying to figure out some more of, like, what are the health hazards of smoking cannabis and marijuana. I think that's the goal. Via vaping. Yeah, but also, yes, via vaping and comparing that to, like, other methods. And so one of the potential issues they identified are these terpenes. Terpenes. What were, what were they? Shut up. Terpenes. Just think turnip, but weird. But with peens. <laughs> so terp terpenes are common in, like, almost all plants, I believe. And they mm -hmm. give... Like that pine smell, like that the sort of woodland foresty smell, those are coming from terpenes. And when they distill marijuana into THC, get rid of these terpenes so they can get pure THC. Does anybody want to explain what THC is? Marijuana has a lot of different essential oils and compounds in it. THC is the active ingredient in a sense. It's what actually will get you high. And so in its purest form, you don't, it, it doesn't, like the terpenes are what give it that smell. And you can take that out and you can still have the, the compounds of it that get you high. There's also another compound called cannabidiol, which has a lot of the pain relieving effects without the high that you get. Yeah, so they take out the, ter the terpenes when they're trying to just get the THC. Because in vaping, you put the THC into like a, a water or some other solution that's going to have, you know, whatever else you want in it. But they people still want the smell of marijuana. Which I don't understand because it doesn't smell good. I think it's just like it's just part of the sensation, I guess. I think it's like yeah. the way that smell goes with taste. You want to smell terrible for the aesthetic, and that's just, just, just no. That's not the good part. Kyle's misgivings aside, <laughs> they add the, the terpenes back in in order to get the smell. But when you do this, the danger is that you're burning the terpenes as well, and then when you burn the terpenes, they're going to break down into these hexagons. The hexagons of deathagons. Oh, God. The hexagons. They're here. And you don't want the hexagons because hexagons give you cancerigons, and then you're a gun. So that's that's the concern. And when they when they looked at this, they did find you know amounts of of terpenes that could potentially break down at certain temperatures, depending on what temperature you're burning it at. However, that makes it sound like that in the headline makes it sound like well, vaping is now this incredibly dangerous thing. And I'm not going to encourage anybody to go vaping because or smoking or doing anything because you're always you know breathing in no matter how you do it, you're breathing in. No. Yeah, literally putting any particles in your lungs is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. So it's certainly not something I'd recommend, but I mean, drinking hurts your liver, so everything's yeah. bad for you. But this isn't like this new thing that now all of a sudden vaping is like the most toxic thing in the world. The amount of terapines they found in vapes were lower than just an ordinary, like, blunt. So... Basically, everything will kill you if you give it long enough. 
This isn't some new like vaping is the killer of humanity type thing. I think they're overblowing this. Well, yeah. Also, just this article does such. The article a... is terribly written, but like also like I think it's misrepresenting the paper. Yes, yes, it is. It does the double. It does the double damage of being badly written and misconstruing. But yeah, there are so many. There are so many things pulling legitimate misgivings and issues with vaping, but not tying them in at all to the point of the article. And vaping in general is just like nobody really knows how to deal with it. Yeah. Because it's in like in theory, it in theory it's the better way to do it because you're not getting all of the other toxins you would in like a cigarette. Like I'd way rather vape than do a cigarette. I don't want to do, do either, a cigarette. But way rather yes. vape than smoke a cigarette. Shut Alan the hell. Alan Collier, do doer of cigarettes. Shut hey, the hell up. Hey, fellow kids, you want to do a cigarette? Would you like Shut to do a your cigarette? Dirty. <laughs> I'm not a cop. Such a <laughs> I have, I've never worn a wire in my life. Yes. I don't know what that is. I'd rather vape a vape than cig a cigarette. <laughs> You're happy now? Vape a vape than cigarette. There you go. Because in theory, it's in theory it's the better system because you're just getting like water vapor and then whatever chemical you want versus a cigarette, which is gonna have all these other toxins. Yeah. I think that we all saw the signs posted around our middle schools and high schools about the dangers of smoking. Yeah, and then and then so this was sort of introduced as like an alternative that's safer, but is it? And that's what we're really not sure of yet. It may not be. It may be safer, but still not safe. But everyone's, instead of like, well, okay, let's do some research and figure out if it's actually safe, everyone's like knee-jerk reaction, straight up ban. Which maybe needs to be done, but we don't know yet. Oh, do you know what the word for uh, dogs and Polish is? Yes, please tell me. We're do- oh, so you Oh, don't sorry. Know. Sorry, did you ask if we want to know or do we know? I asked, do you know? And you're like, yes, tell me. I, <laughs> no, I don't. The word for dog in Polish is pies. Pies. And so the word for this is, if it's masculine, is ten. So it, uh, this dog is literally ten pies. Hello, I would like ten pies and also ten pies. Yeah, that's just you saying I want this dog and also that this dog. No, it's me saying in English I want ten pies oh, and then in okay, Polish okay, okay. I want that dog. Is this Let your me... like goal over Christmas? You're going to learn some more Polish? I've just become addicted to it, apparently. Like, I was just kind of feeling, like, stressed. So I was just like, maybe I'll just, like, learn a bit of Polish to, like, feel productive. And now I've, like, I've, like, a thousand XP on Duolingo over the last two days. Some people have love languages. You have a stress language. I hate learning languages, though. I hate learning. I'm so bad at them. And somehow I'm just powering through this. But now you know you can go to a Polish bakery and walk out with a dog. The, I, it's it's so hard to pronounce. It's so hard to pronounce and also difficult to spell. Anytime it's like, here's a Polish sentence, turn it into English, got it, nailed, easy. Anytime it's the other way around, no, not happening. There is a word that has, in in order, Z with a hat, <laughs> C, Z, Y, and then another Z. I don't know how it's pronounced. Um, I'm sorry, is your girlfriend not Polish? Yeah, but I, like, Ask when I type her. it, it doesn't, like, I have, and then she'll go, nip, nip, nip. <laughs> And then I'll be like, I don't know how to do that. And I literally don't, I can't pronounce the word for high. <laughs> I don't know how to make that sound. It starts with a Z, of the C and a Z, and it's pronounced with a T. Oh, yeah. You act like that's normal in this era. That's not oh, normal. Oh, no, like, I, it's, it's making me think back to people I know with Polish last names. I'm like, yeah, oh. It's like trash. There you go. And that word with all the stupid Zs, like the three Zs and five letters, that's just the word for a man. <laughs> Like, it's not an obscure, underused word. It's very common. It's like the word they start you with. <laughs> post a post a picture of your Duolingo score. 
Dude, it's it's so high. There's now like I didn't realize that there are now like leagues on Duolingo. Like, Duolingo has changed. Yeah, there are leagues. I'm in the bronze league because I haven't done it in like a year. But they've gamified learning Polish. Yeah, they gamified like it hard, and it's really effective because yeah. I'm in second and I want to get to first. They're getting you. And I started like like it's over the week. Like however much XP you get in the week, the top twenty move up to like the next league. Ah. And so like I started on thursday i think today's saturday and like the league starts on monday so i was like halfway through the week before i started and i'm already in second place god damn absolutely crushing people you are crushing <laughs> some poor soul was in third place i'm like all right nice solid third place and then <laughs> you come in there with your 10 pies Our second article today comes also from UPI.com, because the first one was so good, let's do it again. Yep. WHO and CDC data shows measles cases up 30% globally, with the disease killing more than 140,000 people worldwide in 2018, despite the availability of a vaccine. Okay, I, we've talked about measles and we've talked about vaccines before on this podcast. So I'm going to try to not tread over ground we've already covered. And this isn't some like obscure issue that no one knows about. No. Not exactly. And this, like, the, the study or the paper this is based on isn't, it's it's really just, like, an analysis of stats, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's not, like, a new study. It's just, like, we're just taking a look at data. They're looking at data to get us sort of, like, the, the state of affairs in terms of measles cases and outbreaks worldwide. And the case of measles worldwide is bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Status report. Bad. Well, the, the, the trick with this is that, like, the, we have a way to deal with this. We have the cure. Essentially, there is, has been, a, they've seen a sort of a decline in people who are vaccinated against measles, despite the fact that we have an available vaccine. And that decline in vaccination is a combination of people in first world countries who are not continuing to keep up with their, their vaccines. But there's also an issue, too, of getting the vaccine to less developed nations where it's less accessible to them. And I think that's that's the key issue that they're they're talking about here. Like they do mention increases in um, measles outbreaks in places like uh, Europe, uh, so France, Greece, and Britain, which in that in that case, that's because there's a decline in vaccination rates there. But in other cases, too, they're seeing this increase in measles outbreaks because there's something fundamentally wrong with this vaccine distribution system that children and primarily children but also adults in underdeveloped nations aren't actually getting this vaccine but like it's one thing when it's like okay we have to distribute these vaccines better it's like okay that's a problem i understand Mm -hmm. and that we can figure out plans and deal with when you have the vaccine readily available people just don't take it it's like what do i do with this that's the crux of the frustration yes that's the frustration like i'm it's it's sad that there's we're not able to distribute vaccines more evenly but, like, I can understand it as a problem better. It doesn't yes. make me angry. Yeah. I mean, not as much. We have this vaccine. We've had it for 50 years. We know that it works. We're still trying to figure out the best way to get it into all these other countries that currently don't have great access to it. You, though, you right yeah. here in the U.S. And, and Britain and stuff, we have it. It's right there. You can get it. You can take it. We have it here for you, okay? We're still trying to figure out this other thing, but you've got it. Why won't you take this vaccine? Yeah, this wasn't an anticipated concern, I don't think. When they were coming up with, like, the measles vaccine, I don't think they were like, what if people just don't want it? I actually found it really interesting, uh, the portion where they talk about that, the portion where they mention that 86% of children received the first dose Mm -hmm. of the MMR vaccine, so measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, but less than 70 received the second recommended dose. 
That was that was globally. Yeah. Yeah. I just find that really interesting. Yeah, I wonder how much of that like that strikes me a lot as more like apathy, I wonder. Or I wonder if it's more like, well, we can get the vaccine to them once, but then to come back again yeah. the second time is is difficult. Is I wonder if there's more like I don't want to say risk associated with that second vaccine, but is there more are people more afraid of that second dose? Like, is there something that happens around there? I don't know. I mean, you wouldn't think... you think if you're going to take one. Yeah. I mean, once again, this is a global... This is a global number. There are probably... Yeah, there's a lot of different... A dozen different reasons. More than a dozen. But yes, I... This article, despite also being from UPI, much, much nicer to read. As unfortunate as the subject line is. I'm trying to not like just throw numbers out here because a lot of this yeah. is just stat based and database, and I don't want to just bombard people with numbers. The we already talked about a couple of them. I am there's a couple there's a there's a couple numbers that I will throw out though. Um, the biggest place with or the place with the most amount of measles was Southeast Asia, which has more than 3.8 million cases and 39,000 deaths respectively. So that's another case of like that's probably an issue with distribution. Uh, they but they they very specifically mentioned Samoa. Which I had heard oh, in the news as well. Yes, I actually uh, did a little bit of research into that because I Thank was God. very confused about it. So it turns out that what happened in Samoa is that... Okay, two MMR vaccines were produced... Um, what's the word? Not ineffectively, but just straight up wrong. I think instead of water... Oh my God, what was it? It was instead of water being used to prepare the vaccines, someone used like an expired muscle relaxant. Oh no. And so... Yes, expired muscle relaxant. Yes, so consequentially, unfortunately, two children died very shortly after the MMR vaccine, which then, because of this, the um, national organization that provided those measles uh, was halted, and uh, faith in vaccinations went way down. So at that point, that's why their vaccination rate is only about 30%. Yeah, which at least, at least, like, has... A slightly understandable reason. Like, I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying, like, okay, at least I can connect those dots. This example is really interesting because, to me, this is, like, one of the first times that I have seen a reason why people would actually lose faith in vaccinations. Like, I, it's understandable, but it's not an issue with the vaccine. That's an issue of personnel. Oh, yes. This yeah. was and an issue of the organization that was, yeah. you know, That's human it. error. Exactly. Yeah. This was a human error moment, which is unfortunate because now you have all these people who were not vaccinated against measles. And then when a traveler introduced measles to the island nation of Samoa, all of a sudden measles was like, ooh, it's my time. Yeah, they say in the article more than 60 people have died. I think it's up to over 70 now, I think I read. Yes. They've started rolling out mandatory vaccinations and now... I think over 95% of people, or at least people in the vulnerable population of young children, have been vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tricky thing, especially when we, look in, when we look in developed countries and we're... They should be mandatory, like you should have to get vaccinated. But that's also the type of thing that's going to spark more rebellion in a weird way. Oh, absolutely. So it's this really catch-22 of like, people don't like being told what to do, but at the same time, you have to do this. 
You can't tell me what to do. I'll die of measles if I want to. Well, the trouble is, it's not honestly. If it was just like you don't get vaccinated, you die of measles. Like, okay, yeah. but it's not. It's it's herd immunity. We've, we've talked about it before. Exactly. But it's the, yeah. It's the whole that you affect other people by this decision yeah. as well. People, innocent people, and so. Yeah. Well, especially too, if you uh, look at the numbers. So the most measles deaths are in children five years of age and younger because they're at the highest risk. Yeah, because um, their tiny bodies can't can't handle it. Tiny, weak, frail bodies. I th- I would like to see more attention being brought to the lack of distribution because when you hear about vaccines, all you think about are like the anti-vaxxers. Yeah, I think if we if we highlighted more the fact that there are lots and lots of people out there who need and want it mm-hmm. that are like fighting to get it, like it might seem a bit more, it might shine a bit of a different light if we mm-hmm. saw people like willingly chasing these and going after these and saying please we need these that it might get people over this part of the world to then be a bit more open to it speaking of getting more word out about uh this sort of measles vaccine access and coverage all of our listeners should check out the measles and rubella initiative which is uh when it's mentioned in the article here it's coordinated by the american red cross the cdc unicef and united nations and the world health organization so pretty solid groups um and it's a partnership that is designed to uh, help countries respond to emergency outbreaks of measles because you know thankfully with measles if you uh, can get someone a vaccine even after they've contracted it within like a, the first few days it can at least lessen the effects of the disease and be a little helpful there but also if an outbreak starts you can vaccinate people before they catch measles so you should check out that uh initiative so go, yeah go do that go, go do, do that what tells you to go do. do what go i tell you it. to do yeah Our third paper today comes from Princeton University and the Woodrow Wilson School of Public and International Affairs. In a split second, clothes make a person more competent in the eyes of others, suggests new study. Faces were judged as significantly more competent when the clothing was perceived as richer. This judgment was made almost instantaneously. When explicitly asked to ignore, the bias still remained. This, in contrast to the first paper, is a delightful article. It is. I really... Yeah, I really, I like everything about this. Yeah. And not just a delightful article, a delightful study. When they go through the methodology, I'm just like, dang. Like Yeah. Yeah, um, I tend to read articles um early in the morning right after I've woken up. That tends to be when I read these articles, and I started with this one and it was wonderful. I was like, wow, what a great way for my like just waking brain to ease into the articles for this week in this well-written article about this well-done study showing something that is based enough in reality that you're like, yeah, this makes sense, but also is just so interesting, like how deeply the bias runs. So the theory is we, here was that they got people to look at faces, just faces, and got them to rate them as so, in, in terms of competency, how much they, how competent they thought these people were. And then they got them, they got a, them do it again but with different clothing and that clothing was either sort of determined as like rich or poor and judged you know as as various levels of richness i guess and the people with rich clothing always looked more competent even if without clothing they looked less competent with the rich clothing they always looked more competent well you know people tend to look less competent when they're naked i mean debatable depending on the situation kyle yeah (laughs) if someone were like uh 
I'm at a nude beach and they were like in a full wetsuit, I'd be like, are you confident enough to be at this nude beach? What an oddly specific example. <laughs> um, the core of this is that you're looking at people, you're, ba- you're judging competency of people wearing different types of clothes. And that the richer your clothes are, there, the more competent you are. They have, in this article, they have a little video or gif or something of various, and it's all, they're all men, we'll get to that later. Uh, various people, so from sort of the chin to like low shoulder level. So like their neck essentially and like the collar of their shirt. Which I thought when I first saw it, I was like, well, that's really nice. Because you get a chance to see like the different types of outfits they had. And like you can make your own sort of opinions. And you can see how it, you might have your own biases. I thought that was really cool. I mean, we probably do given what this article says. We absolutely do. I and mean, you can see that as they go through these different types of clothing. Then it kept going. Yes. And it never stopped. Nope. And it's right in the middle of the body of the text. And trying to read something while the neck of men just (laughs) fly at you repeatedly is nigh on impossible. What do you see? The neck of men. It's so hard. It's so distracting. That sounds like a cult. The neck of men. This That sounds like a new order. That sounds like they're going to come out with a new Star Wars trilogy and the new bad guys are going to be the neck of men. Okay, so this this was this was really cool because it's a really cool way of testing people's perceptions. And it's uh, I mean, I don't even know where to start with this. I like the way they framed it. Yes, because this comes from Princeton and the Woodrow Wilson School of Public and International Affairs, which sounds like the snootiest, richest place in the world. That, yeah. And I thought they were going to frame this as in like, well, you should spend more time making sure your appearance looks good because that's how people are going to judge you. But it's not. It's all framed the way I would frame it, which is people who are poor. And have lower economic situations aren't going to be able to match the standards of people who are rich. So there's another hurdle now that they have to overcome. Mm-hmm. Yes. And also bringing about the fact that the only way that you can get over a bias is to become aware of it. Mm-hmm. So if this yeah. article has made us aware of just how deeply ingrained this bias is in mm-hmm. you, even if they tell you don't consider clothing, even if they tell you the backgrounds and professions of the people you're looking at, even if they straight up tell you just like, what was it? There would be like monetary compensation. Yeah. 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 Okay. So they actually, in the study, tried to figure out ways to get people past their bias and they could not. And I love the different ways they sort of came up with trying this. It's tough for me to read them because they're next to the neck of men. And it's so hard. Wanted to sort of, avoid clothing that like very clearly showed extreme wealth or extreme poverty and so they had this group of they call them judges but look at the clothing and describe how they would verbalize what that clothing looked like and so they never actually used the words rich or poor or they did very very rarely also i would just like to say of all of the articles that we have read this is the first time where i feel like the things that they have chosen to study the like random assortments of things that they have chosen to study this is the first time that i can really remember that an article has gone through lengths of explaining how they came how they mm-hmm. got these different like how they chose these clothing this clothing sorry yeah, yeah. this is the first yeah. time where i feel like someone has been like so they used these clothes and here's why and here's they ex- how yes. they explain the choices and the variables and they go into nice detail without like being overwhelming no, exactly. this is- it's weird that we've we've managed to run into like 
one of the worst papers ever and <laughs> one of the best papers ever. Yeah. Or articles, I should say. One of the worst articles ever and one of the best articles ever in the same episode. This, this one is delightful. But it is an episode of highs and lows. It really is. And then measles as well. <laughs> so you referenced, I believe Kyle references earlier on that they actually tried to pay people to not have biases and they still couldn't. Yeah. They, they said, we'll give you money if you can match these people, the competency of these people to how other people rated them without looking at the clothing. So <laughs> if you just saw the face, how would you, how would much confidence would you give this person? If you can match that while seeing the clothing, we'll give you money. And people still could not do it. Down at the bottom, they're trying to give ways of you we in real life can try to get past these biases but you know like they're not optimistic because they're like we don't know what to do we tried everything we could think of yeah but i mean like it's you know you start by being aware of it but don't they yeah. also say at the end just like try to avoid exposure yeah they say a, a potential even of highly insufficient interim solution is just avoid exposure so you don't see like you do blind tests and you don't see people as much as possible it's it's tough Yes, they showed some man torsos in different <laughs> different um, quality uh, of clothing and then asked people to give a gut reaction on a scale of one to nine. Uh, one being, this is not a competent person. Nine being, this is a very competent person. Why one to nine? They, not ten. Uh, I don't know. And they basically said, gut reaction, go. What, how competent do you think this person is? Yeah. Um, it's important to note that they uh, did mixed race uh, group of people too. Yep. So like they weren't just showing you a bunch of white people and stuff. And that actually apparently didn't really have an effect on it. It was purely based yeah. on the clothing. And they showed them for different lengths of time to sort of narrow down, you know, okay, if you if you really have time to study this person's clothing, do you judge them as more or less competent? And they found that there's no difference. So like you're yep. making this- It's a split second decision. Not even a, yeah. So you're making this within like milliseconds, you make this yeah. decision. Um, they expanded their participant pool. At one point, they paid people to, uh, like, hey, if you if you accurately judge their competence, we will give you money. And still, it didn't have an effect. It just no. They tried so hard. They tried so they tried hard. So hard. They this could not is it. like my new model of a rigorously done study. Yeah. And the last, okay, last thing I wanted to say was that uh, they did use only men, and they give a reason. And look at this, they give a reason for only yeah. using men in the article. Oh, my God. A really good reason. Yeah, a really good reason. The competence judgments of men and women differ in systematic ways that are beyond the purview of the current study, is yeah. what the researchers say. So that if, you, if you're comparing men and women, there was already, now there's another variable that you're adding in that would skew the results. So you could do this again with just women, Yeah. but you can't mix it. You got to pick one. Yeah, because... Because of, you know, sexism, the minute you do a study with men and women, the women are yeah. probably going to get related as less competent regardless of what they're wearing. Yay, sexism. And that is all the time we have today. If you enjoyed hearing our torsos, then let us know on Twitter at rsciencepod. That's O-U-R Science Pod on Twitter. <laughs> our torsos, <laughs> signing our torsos pod. <laughs> Kyle's really enjoying that, isn't he? <laughs> This is my torso signing off. <laughs> my torso, my torso, and me signing out. Our science is also a division of Science Everywhere. You can check them out at scienceeverywhere.com and at Where is Science on Facebook and Twitter. You can also check us. Kyle, shut up. <laughs> Trying to record an outro, jeez. For, for Kyle and Sarah, I was your host, Alan Collier, and we thank you for listening. We will see you in two weeks because we're taking a week off for Christmas next week. So in two weeks from now, We'll see you with brand new, sparkling, fresh papers. Well, we won't see you, but... No. Or will we? <laughs>